0: And now, a dramatic reading of the New York Owls WhatsApp group from Saturday morning. Jeffrey, 11.36 a.m. It's time. James, 11.41 a.m. Yup, for United to get a second and lurch to lumber around aimlessly. 11.42 a.m. Damien, what a rotten day. 11.53 a.m. Craig, wow, fucking wow. 11.53 a.m. James, fucking love new hue a.m. Jeffrey, at James. 11.53 a.m. Jeffrey, at James. 11.54 a.m. Dom, get the absolute fuck in. 11.54 a.m. Jeffrey, at James. 11.54 a.m. James. Fair. Like Sheffield Wednesday, the Owls of America's Sheffield Wednesday opinion with an American accent. We'll be focusing on the league in episode seventy-eight. I'm your host Jeffrey Nostro, and I am drinking a Dock Time, laid-back amber lager from Stony Creek Brewery, which I think is in Branford, Connecticut. It's down on the shore somewhere. Aggressively laid-back beer. This is a very pleasant four point eight percent uh amber lager very drinkable nothing particularly notable but quite pleasant it's still a little warm here Last is a sort of it's not a summer beer per se but it it suits the mood quite nicely also on the line this week from the home of famous astronaut cyclists in ohio it's evan skelter evan what are you drinking
1: well, Jeff, I uh, I'm not drinking anything right now. I've had a little a rough evening, it's a couple trips to the bathroom, um, a little sickly tonight. Did so you have,
0: did you have Paul's uh, special sour or whatever that he had?
1: No, uh, <laughs> you, you know, you know what I actually had was a um, a dinner. It, it's what they call not Taco Tuesday, uh, Wednesday, at the bowling alley, and I had a couple of soft tacos and an old Milwaukee.
0: And, you're uh, playing with fire on a number of levels there.
1: I'm pretty sure that the combination of that has, uh, well, not resulted um, in a, a healthy Evan for this evening's podcast.
0: But Evan will soldier on, as will our third participant in this All American Clash. It's our Cascadia Owl, Mike LaRue. And Mike, what are you drinking?
2: Hey. How are you guys? Uh, I'm actually only enjoying a tea tonight. Uh, It's been off and on rainy, and I'm actually 10 days out from a marathon, so it's time to uh, start watching those things. So no drinking for a few more days.
0: I feel like you and uh, Evan are polar opposites this week.
1: (laughs) Yeah, something like
2: that. I was just going to say something like that, but it wouldn't be so specific.
1: Well, I'm absolutely not running a, a marathon either, so.
2: 10 days out. Come on by
1: yeah maybe i'll maybe i'll watch (laughs) can you
0: live stream it for us mike
2: oh that would be the most
0: one one (laughs) step ahead of the carabao cup if you could we will get to that as we discuss a late draw and a very early loss for our two games for the week cover some brief wednesday news preview two trips away from Hillsboro, and answer your social media questions we start with 180 minutes and 90 seconds. Wednesday one Fulham won. A clash of 4-3-3 three, three formations. Gary Monk attempted to counteract Fulham's impressive attacking prowess. Fairly successful in the first half. Managed to stymie Fulham for the most part. Despite conceding most of possession, as Fulham was pretty content to kick it around the back. A couple half chances here and there, a header for Adam Reach that maybe should have done a little bit better on. But all in all, a solid performance until the first time <laughs> that Wednesday managed to get turned by the Fulham attack, and they immediately scored to make it 1-0 before the half. I don't know if you could say it was coming. I don't know if you could say it was against the run of play. but Wednesday soldiered on in the second half. A couple tactical substitutions and a late call on late goal specialist, Eddie Nuhu, led to another late goal for the six foot six Kosovan forward. After some lovely work by Kadim Harris to beat two men off the dribble, he got into a crossing position, a flicked on ball from the Fulham defense. Nestled nicely onto Eddie he is he head for a diving header and a 1-1 draw. And oops, that's 90 seconds. I don't have time to do the Everton game. Did not plan that at all. So we'll move on to our talking points for the record. It was Everton 2, Wednesday no. We'll move on to our talking points for the first, for these two games. Uh, I assume most of them will be coming from the Fulham game for a variety of reasons. And we will start with Mike, who wants to make a note of that uh, some of those possession issues, I don't know possession issues, but possession time that Wednesday I've yeah. had under Gary Monk so far.
2: Yeah, so time of possession, I don't want to break into anyone's stat boy routine or stat guy routine, but Patty's stat not man. Not, we're not doing Patty's that. Not. Okay, so I can scat right now. But nonetheless, um, uh, under Gary Monk, time of possession, Huddersfield, 38%, Fulham, 29%, Everton, 38%. Uh, they were noticeably higher um, in some of the other matches, not all of which we... Uh, we're successful. And so, um, you know, there's been some chatter here and there about whether or not this is a counter attacking team. And my talking point is, do we have the right strike force to do that? I think, you know, Barry Bannon and Kadeem Harris doing crosses to Sam went and uh, Fletcher knew you roads all day. I think that's fine, but are those really the types of forwards and strikers that can be effective if we really do want to rely on a counterattack to actually score some comfortable goals in here,
0: I think it's a fair question. I did listen to the show last week, although I wasn't on, and it was either James or Patty that made the point that you know the kind of striker they really want to see going forward is more of that sort of young, pacey play off the number nine, but can also sort of you know get in and amongst it in the box as well. Um, you know, if you're gonna play that kind of counterattacking style, I think you do need someone with a little more pace up front just to uh, drag the defense a little bit, maybe make the you know the center back or the uh, pivot midfielder that might come over to double team Harris have to think twice if he's got a runner coming right at him. Um, you know has a little more pace than a uh, Sam Winnell or a Stephen Fletcher or an Andy Newhu. I do wonder. How much of it is just a function of the teams we've been playing to? Obviously, Fulham's front line is formidable. Everton spent about $250 million on strikers uh, in the previous transfer window, and that was always a a game where they were probably going to have to set up to hit them on the break. So, I do, it's certainly something to monitor going forward. Um, You know, Middlesbrough and Hull away will be interesting tests i don't know if you can really just sit back against those two teams going to those two two stadiums but i think the overarching point here evan is a good one is do we really have
2: the personnel to play that way if that's the intention right yeah i mean a couple points on that is first of all yes the, the full-on passing game uh especially in the first half was just um quite in en- quite envious of, of the way that they they control the ball um, on both on both ends of the field. Uh, the, I don't remember if it was the Fulham or the Everton highlights where I saw that you know, Sam Wendell was one-on-one with the uh one-on-one with a goal and sort of launched the ball right at him. Just, uh, just unfortunate. So, um yeah, it makes you think about, you know, what you, we we always made fun of the, the strike force we had for the last 2 years, but thinking about what Lucas Wow thrived in that kind of situation or not. Um, he never was quite um yeah. Yeah. He's one you never really, not a true, not a true strike force striker like that, but, um, just, just a thought.
1: So. I do think Fletcher is, is smart enough. Um, he, he, he knows the game better than anyone on the pitch when he's out there. And, uh, you know, I think there was a point in his career where maybe he was that kind of player. And I think there are times where he can make the runs that we need in a, in a counter attack, but if, but we can't plan on that for 75 or 80 minutes, um, you know, if we want to pound that that type of style, I think you know you keep him in for forty five, and then be content bringing someone else in for the next forty five, or just switching it up a little bit. Um, so you know, do we have the the right players? Not for ninety minutes, but um, again, I I think there was a day where Fletcher was was that type of player, and I think he can be effective in spurts in that type of of offense.
0: I'd also say that the not a player that has a ton of pace anymore but that kind of cagey striker that can make the proper runs to drag defenders away on counter attacks, you know comfortable with the ball at his feet can poach can head you know it was gary hooper it was probably a more ideal fit if you're not going to go for the young 24 year old number nine and a half as it were but there really isn't a. You know, if you look at the striker options, of which there are certainly aren't a dearth of at S6 right now, they all do. And again, this is jumping off the conversation from last week, they all are kind of at least somewhat duplicative of each other. Um, you know, outside of maybe the suspended Forestieri, who's also less of an out and out strike partnership type player, you know. You know, we can argue whether he's number 10, whether he's like a attacking midfielder in like a 4-4-1-1 or however you want to define that position. You know, he also likes to freelance, which is not necessarily something that, you know, plays well for counterattacking football. I think the interesting thing to me, though, sort of in all of this is Where are the goals coming from sort of more generally? Because we've seen it recently. They're just sort of the lack of clinicalness or whatever you want to call it in front of goal. goals. are. I, I don't think we, especially in the Everton game, had trouble creating chances. You know, Everton is a little leaky at the back. Oh, they, they started a fairly strong lineup, but it seemed like they could be got at, you know, even outside of the first five minutes they had a fairly reasonable second half and if they had gotten a gotten back within 2-1 maybe the last 15-20 minutes half hour looks a little different than it did we'll never know and uh, Monk obviously didn't start a team where that was particularly concerning to him one way or the other but I do I don't think we have a feel for Monk's style yet but even if it's not I, mean, I don't want to separate into sort of possession versus counterattacking. It does not seem particularly attack minded, Mike.
2: Right. And the, well, again, we talk about the, the, the three games that compose the Monk era. There's been three goals, and all have involved Kadeem Harris. And the first two had this nice symmetry. Like the Huddersfield match was this nice symmetry of Bannon got double teamed. He passed it to Harris. Harris. had the nice cross, and then I think the other goal is the exact opposite, where the other one was double teamed, got it to Bannon, Bannon, and Bannon got the nice cross. Um, You don't need to be Jurgen Klopp or um, anyone else to to think that Kadeem Harris and Barry Bannon are your best options right now. Um, So yeah, what what are the other, now that we have that as the you know, I live in Portland, Trail Blazers land. like, yes, we know, we know Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum can shoot from the outside. Now, what are you going to do? Um, so, same here. We have these great guys who can do the crosses. Now, what? So, yeah, it's I, I don't know what Gary Monk is. And from all uh, comments from from press conferences and even related to team selection for the uh, Everton match, he's very open about the fact that he's really he may not be totally clear on what's going on. And that's not a bad thing. Um, it's just where we are right now.
0: Right. I mean, it's it's been two weeks you have to give a you know a new manager that especially came in at this point and it's a weird point in the season to come in you know he's not coming in to fight a fire like you might expect when a new manager comes in after six or seven games you know he's basically coming in on the squad that's mid table-ish maybe a little bit better on paper and trying to sort of figure out what to do with it going forward so i again it's also kind of a weird three fixtures for Sardi. You have Huddersfield, who also had a new manager. It has been a disaster. You know, Fulham, where you're going to have to play a certain, you have to be at least cognizant of the attacking threat. You know, how however how you wanted to set up, you have to understand that you may, they're going to want to play a possession, you know, quick passing game. It reminded me a little bit actually of some of the good early Carlos seasons where they could, it was kind of at a walking pace, but they just could kind of pick their way through. Um,
1: First of all, Mike, how disrespectful of you to totally ignore Yosef Nurkic's double-double last year, 15-10. Uh, and 10, um, You know, yeah, you have some outside shooters, but you've got, a, 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 no, I, I'm, I'm a yeah, basketball yeah. guy, biased, you, may not be, know this. Yeah. you may not know this, but I'm a big basketball guy, and Nurkic is one of my favorite. Um, yeah. The Bosnian
2: beast, the Bosnian beast, had his renaissance in Portland of all places, and we love him to death. So yes, well, do not worry as you him.
1: should, as you should. Okay. Um, yes. it, anyway, um, you know, you ask, you know, where else are we going to attack from? And I think, um, I, I think right now it's just an experimental phase. We're going to put Reach on the right side and see what he can do. Uh, I think, I think Reach is the key. I, he's kind of moved around a little bit, tried to find his, his. Um, his niche if you will this year and i think once he settles into a role and we've got you know bannon and harris playing the way they are and maybe murphy off the bench um i think i think it's then that we start to find an identity
0: i do wonder though is is reach really going to be that right winger we it's probably fine if we are playing a four four two. he's kind of miscast there and playing that far up the pitch in a four three three and Jacob Murphy hasn't really impressed all that much since his debut. So it is a it's one of the reasons that Wednesday have tended to overload the left side and Kadeem Harris, you know, beyond Harris, you know, being clearly the best player in the squad. I don't know the answer to that. Hopefully uh it'll get sorted out in the coming weeks as Monk gets a gets a feel for his best eleven. But uh, Evan, we're going to we're going to stay with the strike force. And because James Allen is not here, uh, both Evan and I have Eddie Newhue talking points.
1: Yeah, mine. I did a little research uh, as the, the resident stat man on this mm-hmm. crew. Um, Still not playing. Addy, the jingle. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, I'd prefer you not because it always disrupts my flow anyway. Um, sorry, Patty. Has scored. In all competitions, 45 goals for Sheffield Wednesday since he started playing with us, uh, which is, first of all, more than I thought he had scored. But 45 goals nonetheless. Ten of those have come in the 87th minute or later. Eight of those have come after 90 minutes. And even more impressive is that 32 have given us the lead or tied the score, and eight of them were a goal that put us ahead in a winning effort. Like This guy is clutch
0: i mean i don't disagree that's my talking point <laughs> i want to uh sort of contextualize new Hugh a little a uh, little more broadly in sort of his sheffield wednesday tenure because evan you mentioned the 45 goals and there was a, a fun tweet that noted that is the second most goals by any player in sheffield wednesday's uh 21st century history second only to marcus tudgay and there's a few different ways to interpret this stat. And I feel that, you know, Newhue has become a bit of a, of a Rorschach test for Wednesday fans. He sort of, everybody sees, you know, what they want to see in his performance. But, you know, we can debate the pure sort of scoring record, you know, the goals per game, goals for appearance or, or goals per minute. But sort of as you elucidated there, he scored some huge goals for this team. You know, the brace against Leeds, which was another, I don't think it was, I just might've been into stoppage time, barely. They gave him the first double over Leeds in 53 years or whatever it is. Uh, Numerous goals against Rotherham (laughs) Uh, late in the game. Obviously the, the Fulham goal this past weekend, you know, whether you want to debate the merits of, of clutchness and whether that's actually a repeatable skill The fact is these are things that have happened these are big goals in sheffield wednesday's recent history and yes the recent history is not great they've been at the top flight for 20 years now but you can't sort of tell the story of modern sheffield wednesday without talking about Eddie Newhew. and that's you know again the rorschach test what do you want to read into that you know james allen who's not here but i'll tell you what he will tell you he'll tell you that it's you know it's not Good enough. It's it's symbolic of Wednesday's sort of lack. I don't want lack of ambition or lack of long term, you know, planning for the future of the club. And that's all. You know, that's a fair conversation to have. You know, what do you think Wednesday should be doing going forward? I think all of us would agree that they probably need to find uh, a better striker than Eddie Nieuwoudt to lead the line. You know, that said, we still all. Watch the games on Saturday and, or Sunday, or Tuesday, or Wednesday, as the case may be. You know, we want to have those moments, and in the football factory, when the Addie Newhew diving header went in in the ninety-fourth minute, it was fucking great. And I think there's value in that.
1: Yeah, I just think that he's so polarizing because. You know, we read off his stats. He, he He's done some really big things for us. He's been a part of some really big games. Um, you know, I, I still remember when our, our season was, was in the balance. Oh, uh, what, two years ago toward the end of the year and
2: he, and he, he came in. With, yeah,
1: we won. Who was it against? Oh, well, there was a
2: double against Leeds, but then um he Preston. had the Preston. I think it was, the Preston. it was Preston.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was Preston and he came out and he was, you know, it, he was huge for us. And when he is good, he's great. But I think he's so polarizing because when he's bad, yeah, it's it, it's <laughs> embarrassing. I mean, it's he he just he just lugs around. He and I don't even know if it's that he's lazy, but he certainly looks lazy. He's not when fast. he's not playing well, yeah, he, That's the he's, he's like, a he slow could be, guy.
0: Even when he's trying like really hard and putting in a shift, he's just he doesn't move fast. So you you know, he, the perform- himself,
1: his, his- he puts himself in good positions, and if he misses, it looks really uncoordinated, and it's embarrassing, and he gets a lot of slack for it.
2: But on those days when he plugged in against the right against the right defense. And, and, and just getting away from the goals, you know, he can he can control the ball pretty well. He has a soft touch. And there is, you know, I've seen some, there's some old highlight reels out there of him, you know, out dribbling people, getting around people, but also the stuff he does away from the ball. I mean, being a big guy in the middle, he, he can make a difference. Um, that, so it's not just the scoring, but again, it's when he's on, he's, he's amazing. I, I don't know if there's a different environment where he would thrive in or if this, if this is a great environment for him. We don't know. I mean, he could go to someplace else and fall into plate of security, or he could go someplace else and be the next, uh, you know, Yusuf Nurkic.
1: There you go. Yes, there it is. It's it's um, like it's the um, wrong skill set
0: for his body. Is the thing. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, That's true. He can't win headers. Like yeah. <laughs> that's the other thing that's incredibly annoying about him is he's six foot six, and if a ball is cleared to the center of the field and he's there, he gets not even a centimeter off the ground and loses a header to a much smaller center back. Um, and, and it's frustrating, it's annoying and usually he's in at the end of matches when we really need to win those balls. And so yeah, it's the stuff he does bad where he he looks bad and, and it really really puts us in a, in a bad frustrating spot. I, I get it I, and, and I'm not saying we can't go out and find someone better, certainly not saying that. Um, I, I just I just think that he he has been such an, an important and influential player for us. Um, and I don't know if he necessarily deserves, all of, all of the, the slack that he gets. So
2: uh, just to bring this to a, a different kind of angle, and again, we can't speak for people who aren't on the call, but, but you know, let's take opportunity cost as an approach. If we didn't have him, who, what what role, what space is he taking up that we need better of? That's that's what I don't quite understand.
0: I mean, I guess it's, he generally is not starting now unless he's really in form, but is a fresh pair of legs and a guy that can drag defenders at the end of game and create late goals every now and again. Like everybody, is he just like a super sub? I guess is the, yeah, I think the question that's there. fair. Yeah. yeah you need to reframe it fair. in that way.
1: He, he catches people off guard. Certainly. I mean, if you, if you watch film on Sheffield Wednesday, you're probably not zeroing in on at the skill set, And so you see this big six foot six player, come on and, and you're thinking oh my gosh he's about to push me around the next thing you know he's passed you on two dribbles yeah. um so yeah maybe in in all <laughs> yeah. these yeah. I, I maybe guess my status I mean, flawed because it, at the end of uh he only comes in at the end of matches so it's the only time he can ever score anyway but um <laughs> yeah perhaps
2: yeah, i guess what i would be curious to know is that the spring of 2017 that was the year that everyone was injured and he kind of carried the team I Carried the offense at least. I would be curious to get this, the same type of stats you had, Evan, for w- what happened in the games that he started. I Unfortunately, remember most, like his like goals per minute game. ratio was
0: something ridiculous, as I recall. Yeah. I think we did talk about it. All right. I will just say I think part of the problem here is that I just remember his first game against QPR, where he like did three guys and then put a left footed curler right into the top corner we're like who the hell did we just sign like this amazing like 24 year old dude from austria and then ever since then it's just been daddy New Hugh experience outside of the preston goal which was also excellent but for now we'll take a break when we come back we'll talk about the week and wednesday news preview some matches and answer your online correspondence time for your Wednesday news and a late news week, but a couple of talking points. Uh, Adam Reach, recently had his 150th appearance in the club. So first off, congratulations to to Reachy. Obviously, I have been ambivalent on him at various times in past podcasts. But you know, we talked about a little bit about him playing on the right in the first half of the show. What do we think his role is going forward? And are we getting to the point where maybe if a sale needs to be made in January, he might be the guy going out.
2: So unfortunately I think the uh, time for the sale may have been last January because I think last, uh, last fall was when Adam had his Adam reach had his real, again, what his, his whole highlight uh, highlight season with all those long bombs. Um, I would hope now that he could, he could find that form again and maybe be that alternate threat so that, uh, you know, free up Harris on the left side band in the middle and then, be nice to have a, an outside threat like that. But, um, you know, so for that reason, first of all, 150 games is, is great. But, yeah, I'd like to see him become a big, bigger threat from out there.
0: He's only 26. So it's not like, you know, he should be sort of his, you know, peak years for a winger or attacking midfielder type player. But you are right. He hasn't really chipped in with the goals recently. Um, I feel like he was getting run down towards the end of last season a little bit too which i mean fair enough in 2017 2018 he played 53 times for the club 47 times last year that's a that's a lot of game yeah. time to maintain yeah. over the course of a season
2: and I, I hate to knock athletes but yeah his fitness seems a little bit off this year i don't i don't know if it's if it's just perception or if it's position he's playing or what but just something something about his fitness seems a little bit off from where we're seeing it last year
0: Someone who's been very, someone who's been very much themselves this year is Sam Hutchinson, who, in a recent uh, news piece interview on uh, the Sheffield Wednesday website, uh, intimated that he might be interested in another, uh, another contract at Hillsborough for the foreseeable future. What do we think about that, Evan?
1: Yeah. I'd welcome him back. I think he's getting, you know, toward the, the end of his peak or, or maybe he's already past his peak, but uh, he's still effective for us in, in some roles, as long as we're not relying on him um, you know, to lead any, any sort of charge. But uh, I like how he's interchangeable he Can play a little midfield. You can insert him at, at center back as well. Uh, I think we've even seen him play a wing back at some point this season too. So uh, he's a good player, good leader, been around and, um, wouldn't bother me any to, to see him with us for a few more years he never really had any pace to begin with so you don't really worry
0: about him uh, yeah. he's not a speed is not a large part of his game i do wonder if he might transition mike more into a we have a couple uh questions about this coming up but more into a, a center back role later in his career too as the as his maybe legs go a little bit for even the running that's required in the pivot in the midfield
2: yeah, that might be a, a good place for him to also, you know, I guess, you know, you take advantage of his leadership abilities. Um, I mean, we, we do make fun of all the, the cards he, he gets, but um, I think part of the awakening from the OS era was that, you know, uh, Hutchinson and uh, um, Kieran Westwood can pretty much keep Wednesday in, in, in any game. So um, that's something that's always stuck with me. So I think if he could, if he would be up for playing, you know, closer to the goal center back position i think that would be pretty
0: exciting i guess the one thing based on watching him play uh more on defensive midfielder role is he has the uh let's say positional discipline to play in the center back uh in in like a center back two or center back three but now you know he's i i thought he's been fine at center back when he's been pressed into service wednesday over the years so you know he's certainly a a useful squad player so yeah, I agree. And he's just—he's fun to to have around to a certain extent. He doesn't quite. The one thing I think Wednesday's missing right now, to a certain extent, is like the. It's not a hard man per se, but more of like a shitster. He's probably the closest to that, just because of the time. He doesn't quite have like the. He's if not. He, I guess he he's not Ross Scottish enough. He's not Scottish enough to be Chris McGuire and Ross Wallace, so he doesn't have like that edge to him. But. I think he does give the squad some personality. Let's put it that way. Yep. Wednesday, head on the road this weekend and next week for a midweek fixture. Middlesbrough away on Saturday. Hull away, middle of next week. I know we have stats for these. I just want to say these are like my outside of away at Birmingham City. It's like my two least favorite away fixtures of the season just something about going to those two stadiums fills me not even with dread because like i think away to birmingham and away to preston obviously have been a bit of like bogey fixtures in the past just the, the games are just it's just boring games i don't like either of these teams they're boring i'm bored give us your stat seven
1: well the K-Com stadium uh was the inspiration for one of our best songs that we've ever made here on it's true because but yeah, so, so it was so exciting that
0: we had to make a song about a squirrel about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, yep, yeah, it was pretty rough. Um, Middlesbrough, Britt Asambalanga, three goals. A couple other guys with one, including Ashley Fletcher, Marvin Johnson, Patty McNair, Lewis Wing. Uh, as far as stats go for them, goal wise, they are right in the middle somewhere. No, actually, they're 17th in the league with eight goals. Wednesday have 11, just for your reference. Uh, possession wise, they actually do pretty well. They're, they're eighth with 51% uh, for reference. Wednesday, 45%, and we already kind of got into their to to Wednesday's possession woes, if if you can call them that. Uh, and then the other available status, passing percentage, they don't do so well. They're at 73%, uh, which is good for 17th. And um, Wednesday I have 74%, so not much better. Hall, they're they're whatever they haven't had a great run of performance they they lost two once to blackbird and once to bristol city uh they drew to millwall drew to wigan and then they just beat luton three zero um as far as leading scores for them jared bowen four goals camille Grosicki with three uh kevin stewart has two and then a couple other guys with one um nothing super impressive. Their average possession is 45%, so it could be an interesting uh, interesting match to watch us go up against each other. Uh, and then their passing percentage is pretty awful. Uh, they complete 70% of their, um, their passes. So there you go. Yeah, still bored.
0: Boring teams. What do we think is a good result for these two games? I'm always a little nervous when Wednesday head away from home especially again as i said well not specifically bogey this just feels like two nailed on draws to me like two boring draws
2: No.
1: yeah i think that's probably probably a good call uh depends on when at the comes in and plays yeah fair enough Uh, It's good it's true just so you know if uh in matches where Addy's played more than sixty minutes, which is fifty three matches, we've won eighteen drawn thirteen and lost uh twenty two so there you go okay
0: I mean it's just a bunch of mid table teams playing each other. That's the best yeah. I can tell. We do have some other business I'll give you an update on war of the monster trucks. it is I am reliably informed on its way to James Allen's lovely Manhattan apartment. I'm sure it will be stored in his lovely closet, Uh, either tomorrow or Friday. So that's very exciting. Um, You know, again, hit us up. uh, If you're interested in getting some copies, we'll be sending them around the country. Uh, And a special note, uh, Coastal Carolina freshman Sam Snaith was named the Sun Belt Conference Player of the Week for his hat trick against Radford. Very exciting. Congratulations to Sam. We'll now move on to your social media questions. We'll start on Twitter uh, from Samuels888. Can we re employ to come on in stoppage time to push over some of these crap refs? Uh, we here at the Alt Cast do not endorse violence against efl officials however i will say it does seem generally the quality of officiating this year has not been great so far and i don't even mean that as sort of like a wednesday homer whining kind of way just i'm not sure i know what these people are looking at
2: yeah the uh i think so much has been said about the time wasting that fallen pulled off uh on saturday that uh again what else can we say and um I've already forgotten the gentleman's name who was the official. He was the same one who officiated the uh, Norwich match, match back, in the, back in the spring, which had a, some very, very questionable calls that went both ways. But um, but no, we would never condone violence against the referee.
0: We have another one from Samuels888. I'm going to fold this in with the question from at Richard Healy as well. What's everyone's ideal back four? Should we consider Hutch playing center back with Lees injured and Luongo looking good? Uh, and Richard, great show with some really interesting discussions going on. Read the defense. I wonder is it's time to give Bates a start and move Iorfa to right back. Uh, Bates is dealing with a little bit of a hip injury. We haven't had an update on Lee's recently, which is worrisome um, as he has had fitness issues in the past as well. I mean, I will say this. I do feel like they need to settle on some sort of more stable back four. And we know is going to play in the Left center back position, but how do you fill in around him at this point?
2: Okay, I'm gonna have uh, Palmer, Borner, uh, um, Odebusheau. If I can ever say his name, and yeah, I thought that I, I was not happy with what I saw with out of Thornley and Fox this weekend, or not this weekend, whenever that was, the cup game. Granted, it was Everton. Um, That, but he brings up the, the part of dropping Hutchback. That's so tempting. So. Um, I'm just not quite ready to pull the trigger on that yet. So I, I think I think let Iorfa back there and let those four stick together for a while.
0: I like how we talked earlier in the season that center back depth was going to be a strength. We're going to talk about dropping Sam Hutchinson back to play there. Um, I like Thornley generally. I think there's the issue of playing two left-footed center backs, but I might try to give him a run with Borner in the squad. I just I feel like they need to get Iorfa or- out to right back just cuz I do not need to see Bajo in the proximate future. Uh, it's gone past him just having a mistake in him. I think he's uh, a liability defensively and doesn't offer enough attacking mouse going forward to make it worth starting him. You know, Iorfa can get turned too, but I think he's a little more, you know, more of an interesting attacking threat, more of an aerial threat. Um, I think he's just better suited to to right back than a center back position. I mean, I think if Bates was healthy, this might be more of a moot point, although right. you know, I'm not in Yeah, again Bates in and training. Lee, I don't know what he's looked like.
2: Bates and Lee changes this conversation completely. So yeah.
0: from at Gators never die to I'm informed this is more of a statement. As much as I respect Lee Bowen, you can just tell over the last two games that the idea is Wednesday have been rolling with come with direction, their concrete tactic coming from experience, managing at this level. Yeah, I mean, we'll see how it plays out going forward, but uh, you know, James noted this last week where he's, he's more confident that Monk has a plan and that there's a... You know, you can argue that Fulham were clearly the better team on Saturday for most of the game, but Monk was able to sort of at least tactically neutralize them to a certain extent like i can't remember in the second half them really and they they granted they're doing a bunch of time wasting and knocking the ball around the back i can't remember really them having a, a clear-cut chance perhaps i'm forgetting one but i don't really recall you know uh you know a moment where we got turned or a let off or anything like that and you know granted if it just ended one nail. I don't know if he would have been as happy with the performance as way things go, but there does seem to be at least an actual attempt to um, tactically the tactical awareness of what they need to do from game to game and how that needs to change, which is good to see.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm not one to to get too ahead of ahead of myself. At least I try not to. I do it often, um, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna judge. Monk on, on just a few matches. Uh, and I'm not, you know, Bol- Bolin, clearly something was amiss with, with Bolin as the season progressed, but, you know, I, I'm not even going to make too many comments on, on Monk after two matches or three matches now.
0: Fair enough. At BHR Wrestling, what cities have meetups? What cities without official groups have meetups? Chicago, Dallas, Milwaukee? Uh, at BHR Wrestling, you can find all this information on the owlsamericas.com com website you can find our meetups and you can also find our city reps and i believe we have ones in dallas and chicago at least off the top of my head but i don't have That's that definitely
1: chicago yeah
0: but i don't have that website open there's like i think there's like a dfw one uh in texas i believe but all that information is on our website at owlsamericas.com You've been listening to episode 78 of the Owls AmeriCast, brought to you by Sheffield Wednesday's iFollow live match streaming service. Sign up at swfc.co.uk slash iFollow. Once again, we're on the web at owlsamericas.com. You can email the show at owlsamericas at gmail.com. Find and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at owlsamericas. Our podcast intro and bumpers. I have a fellow Wednesdayites, Revenant of the Makers. The podcast is on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Podbeam, probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There's no wrong way to listen to the show. Just do what feels right. And wherever you choose to consume the Owls of cast, we ask that you rate and review the show. It helps more Wednesdayites find our ramblings. Evan is on Twitter, at Owl. Evan, if there were to be a sequel to the Hull City Squirrel song next week, what animal would you like to see run across the pitch? Sloth. Be the. now we have to take that one. That's gonna be like a slow jam.
1: Yeah, it'd be nice.
0: Yeah. Mike is on Twitter at Cascadia Owls and at Mike Laroon. Uh, Mike, what tea are you drinking?
2: I don't even remember, but I think it was mostly <laughs> licorice and um, a lot of licorice and cinnamon. Cinnamon in it. It's quite good. Thanks for asking.
0: I'm on Twitter, at Jeff JeffPetterNostro, and we'll be back here with some animal-related ditty, probably, or at least the Scatman song next week.